Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The score! This hour is brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. Oh, I've only watched Caleb Williams three games last year, three this year, so I'm only halfway done, okay? The one thing that I that is clear, he is not special. It's Merrill Hodge on NBC Sports Chicago talking with Schrock and Awe. Josh Schrock. Merrill Hodge has had some strong thoughts about quarterbacks in the past. Some very right, like Johnny Manziel, for example. Mm-hmm. And some wrong. And some wrong. Which is the point of all of this. And the same goes with everybody. Correct. Paid expert, expert, capital E experts paid to have these thoughts on projecting college players into the NFL. One Including of, front office people. And one of whom was a guest on our show just a couple of weeks ago. Daniel Jeremiah, who had some things that he wanted to share about the assessment given by Merrill Hodge. I don't agree with him on this one. Um, I, I just don't. And I, you know, the, the pushback I would have is, man, if 39 games is not enough to evaluate Justin Fields, but three games this year are enough to evaluate and make uh, solid statements on Caleb Williams, that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. So I've seen a lot of Caleb Williams. I've seen everything he did last year. I've seen everything that he did this year. He is, to me, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, in terms of ability, is the closest thing to Patrick Mahomes we've seen. Um, He's got unbelievable arm talent. I mean, I'm talking arm strength from different angles, from different platforms, the creativity. When Mahomes was was coming out of college, it was screens and scrambles. That's what he majored in. It was helter-skelter. He had a lot of work that he had to do footwork-wise, and that's one of the reasons why they redshirted him a year there. Uh, behind Alex Smith, and they they drilled that into him, and they were able to take all the talent that he had, which was still raw, and were able to corral it and develop it, and then what you see is what you get. I don't think the Mahomes that we see now is the exact same Mahomes we saw when he was coming out of college, which is to say he got better and he developed, and that's where he is now. There's no perfect prospect, Rich. Uh, Where you go matters. Uh, It's going to matter a lot for Caleb Williams, but I believe, in my opinion, this is one of the more physically gifted and talented players at the position we've seen in a while. Um, and some assembly is required and he's going to need to go to the right place and get developed. Um, but no, I wouldn't make that uh, declarative statement that he's uh, that, that he's not going to be very good. Fair or not though. Mahomes is going to loom over this whole proceeding uh, in the same way that Brady's looming over the whole proceeding with Mahomes is blossoming and becoming an all time great in front of our eyes over the last six years as starter. 
because of two things. One, when Mahomes is being the goat that he is right now, that's the league that Caleb Williams is entering, (laughs) number one. And then number two, the fact that the Bears traded up in the Mahomes draft for Mitchell Trubisky and then allowed Mahomes to still be on the board for Reed to trade up and go get, that has haunted every conversation about the quarterback position in Chicago to the present day with Justin Fields. So fair or not, that 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 looms. So I guess my question for you is, with Shane Waldron there in Chicago, when you say best fit, is that is that a good fit? Like, will, will Williams blossom um, in Chicago with their current roster in their current building and and uh, OC? Well, I think there's still, you know, there's a lot of work to be done there, you know, and, uh, you know, I think Waldron has a good reputation. Um, he's somebody who's respected the people that I know that know him. I don't personally know him, mm-hmm. uh, but I've heard good things there. They still need to continue to add to that offensive line. They need another complimentary piece uh, to DJ Moore, who, who played really well last year. Um, and I think you're going to have to have some patience. I mean, I, I do agree from the sense that, you know, CJ Stroud, what he did last year was so phenomenal and so outside the norm um, to just hit the ground running like that. I, I don't think that that Caleb is as polished as some of these other quarterbacks, but the the ceiling is what you're chasing there, and that's going to require some patience. So, um, no, everything I've heard about Waldron's good. I like some of the pieces they have there in Chicago. There's still more work to be done, uh, but you can you know you can dream on on what Caleb Williams can be and. People say, oh, you're chasing the ceiling. I'm like, yeah, well, you look around the NFL right now at the high level of quarterbacks, and it's hard. Uh, it's hard to say, I, I just want a steady Eddie, you know, guy. I, I, I want to go chase what they have. I want to have one of these cyborg quarterbacks to go uh, blow for blow with these elite guys. I think you have to, right? And, that, and that's the whole point. That's, that's the whole point is to it, can Justin Fields, after, as you said, 39 games of evaluation, take that next step and be that guy. Or do you start the clock from the very beginning and um, and go get Caleb Williams? Do you think that's an upgrade? Is Caleb an upgrade in your estimation? I, I think he's, you know, just looking at who they were coming out, I, I think he's he's more gifted than than Justin. And I think he does things faster. You know, everything's a little bit faster. Now, Justin, obviously, speed-wise, is on, is on his own level there. But just in terms of quick feet, quick hands, quickly getting from one to two to three, I've seen Caleb do those things. Um and, you know, there's just some instinctual stuff that he has, some creativity, you know, some magic, whatever you want to call it. Um, he has that. So there's a couple things, and that's courtesy of the Rich Eisen show in there. I agree with Daniel that six games is not a lot of tape to make an evaluation on. And I imagine, I don't know this for sure, but I imagine that some of the six games that Merrill Hodge is talking about were the three worst that Caleb Williams played this year. Where where I would push back on Daniel is 39 games in the NFL is very different from 39 games in college. That people need to stop doing the apples for apples thing too, where you're comparing Caleb Williams' college career to Justin Fields' professional career. If you like, like at the end where he's saying, I think that he's he's got bigger upside, that there's a higher ceiling, I'm good with that if that's what you believe. I just don't think that we, we, we still don't know what's going to happen to Caleb when he becomes a pro, which was part of Merrill's point. Like inside of that, once you get past the shock of 
he's not special, he's not Patrick Mahomes. Inside of the meat of it was well beyond that. Yes. The meat of it was there are things that I see on his college tape that I wonder if he's going to be able to replicate in the pros. It's an inexact science. It's why everyone seems to get it wrong, including NFL evaluators. And I'm not talking about the draft people. I'm talking about folks in the front office. I've been sitting on this. Me and Ray were talking about this when you went to Savannah. I've been thinking about, like, really talking about this. So I guess now is probably the best time to do it. One of the things that I don't like inside of the conversation about Justin Fields is everyone seems to agree the first year was trash. The second year was trash. We all seem to agree that he was put in a terrible situation. But when we get to the end of the evaluation on Justin, it's, well, he should have overcome that. Sure, it was a bad situation that he was put in his rookie year when they made him the number two, and he clearly wasn't ready for that. I understand what you mean by, oh, it was bad, and they did a bad job with him in that first year. But you don't get that back. You you can't just erase the effect that that experience had on him. I I agree, but you also can't just then say, I understand that he was dealt a bad hand, and now this this year was the year where you could really start looking at has there been growth, and even with the growth, well, it's not enough growth. Well, what about those first two years? Well, I know it was a bad deal for him, but he should have been able to jump over all of that. Show me quarterbacks who do that. Where are they? Where where are the ones that really jump over bad situations to become stars? Now, that is actually, to answer that logically, might be an example of begging the question. Because the ones who do, we don't describe as having been in a bad situation. We may not know they were in a bad situation. Well, like, for example, let's take Baker Mayfield. Bad situation. And usually that's what happens. Now, this is the great thing for Caleb is that he's in a much better situation than what a number one draft pick would be in. The team's better than most teams that draft first. It's part of the reason that I push back on people saying that Bryce Young is a bust. His situation is horrible. He traded away all of the skilled position players. Yeah, He had nobody to throw to. And no one to block for him. And he's teeny, teeny, tiny. Well, that's beyond situation guy but when things got better for Josh for example when he and Dable got together and you go oh what happens when a really talented quarterback gets a coach who kind of understands him then the learning can happen how much learning did you really expect Justin Fields to have in his first two years as Bears quarterback. A bad situation has been a Bears thing forever, for whether it was Cutler or Grossman or whoever it is, and, and, and going through that horrible list of coordinators and quarterbacks, coaches, and every name you want to include there, it didn't matter. You're right. Now, I think the situation is much better. And I I agree with Daniel that if you're just looking at the raw materials of what that guy 
is, I would say that his ceiling is higher. I do still have questions about how he's physically made up, and I have questions about what the mental makeup is. For me, the the concern that I would have from his side, too, is as much as we talk about the toxicity of the conversation and the and the intensity of the tribalism that's been going on here with the way the fandoms have been acting and lashing out about the tiniest perceived slights, mm-hmm. the stuff that Parkins was talking about, frankly, about... He's people are like, disrespectful, which is a which is weird in a a major sports market to talk about a, a, an athlete being supplanted is disrespectful. When Respect. we're constantly trading people and firing people and benching people, and, and like that came out of nowhere. That's weird. And You're, just Justin they, himself at the end of the season. You know, press his final press conference. He knows, what's and even up. before that, yeah, he he yeah. voiced that he is mentally ready for whatever. But to the the people just swooping in to protect their 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 child or their pet or whatever it is here. This you're being disrespectful. He's not a teacher. Like, what, what are you talking about? So for Caleb Williams to understand not only that that context, but the fact that. They're supposed to improve on seven wins next year. Right. Like they're supposed to be good. They're supposed to be a playoff team next year. Right. Does he realize that? That you're coming in here that there's no honeymoon. And 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 I will say that that's not a pressure that you have at USC. They were so happy at USC to have a Heisman Trophy winner and have a coach that puts up crazy numbers offensively and they won, what, eight games this year? In, in in a, a Pac-12 that was really top-heavy, but not so heavy at the top that USC shouldn't be competing in it. The danger that I feel, and, and shooting for the ceiling or shooting for the moon, when it comes to drafting a quarterback, is, is what I'll now label as the Mahomes fallacy. I think Eisen did a good job of, of kind of breaking it down where... There are are people who are chasing the process or the mistakes of the process of 2017 so that they don't miss on the next Mahomes. But I, I also think that it's so unfair to Caleb Williams. And I know that he's made quotes about, oh, you know, I've seen the stuff that Patrick Mahomes does and, and I feel that I can do some of those things. I, I want a quarterback to be a little cocky that he should believe in, in those types of things that he's capable of, but those there's no reason to attach Patrick Mahomes to Caleb Williams. Other than you are trying to generate people looking at your breakdown. Everything that Daniel Jeremiah says about Caleb Williams can be said without invoking Patrick Mahomes's name. You don't have to do that to Williams. You can say, this guy does a great job of making plays off script. This guy has a really quick release. This guy is very mobile. You can see. I'll give you a perfect example. Say, ask Harold Miner. Yeah. that's Ask Harold Miner what that's like. I'm pretty sure that I saw our guy do this, so I got to try and find it. The way that it should be done, and, and that's Matt Bowen. 
Matt Bowen did a breakdown of Caleb Williams where it just, you didn't have to go crazy with it. Here it is. Let me read it. Take my glasses off. This is very small print. Caleb Williams, strong athletic frame, upper-tier arm talent, instinctive passer with springy release, throws with power touch location from multiple platforms, mobility field vision to create difference-making plays as a runner-slash-thrower, tends to turn down layups, opting for home run throws, will extend plays to his That's detriment. A mixed metaphor there. Mm-hmm. Turned down for what? Aggressive mentality can lead to negative decisions. Must play in structure at a higher rate, Top five prospect with the traits to produce in any system. That's an evaluation of Caleb Williams where you don't have to mention Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't mention his name. He just tells you all the stuff that Caleb Williams has shown on tape. What I'm trying to do, and I think that I don't think that they're doing this on purpose. Whenever we start talking about specifically quarterback prospects, the rhetoric has gotten to a point where this guy is this guy and this okay. guy is this guy. L- let me ask, ju- just to sort of set the history here, when did this start? Because even when even when Andrew Luck was being scouted, the way I heard it, or Carson Palmer, the way you heard it was, and I think we talked to Brian Billick about it, and he said something like, Andrew Luck is the cleanest quarterbacking prospect since John Elway. And that's fine. That means most upside, least downside. But there was no direct comparison. And I don't remember this happening before. Was Has there been somebody where you say, this guy, he's, he's all, it's the closest thing you're going to get to this. Why are we doing it with Mahomes? Because, be, and that, what, that's... Mm. That's the frustrating part. Why would you do it with a unicorn? That's, don't chase unicorns. Why would we, you do it? We did this. Don't compare people to Nikola Jokic. Why Why is that the thing? I why think, can't the, the scouting report be as clean as what Matt Bowen did? I agree with you on that. But I think that you have to be careful if you're doing it. So what I heard and what Je- Je- Daniel Jeremiah was saying was – if you look at Patrick Mahomes' college film, Caleb Williams is similar to what we saw from Patrick Mahomes in college. And then the people that draw the line to, well, that means he can be Mahomes now. That's where the fallacy comes in. That's where you have to be like, well, no, you can't expect that. You can look and say, hey, Caleb Williams did a lot of stuff in college that Patrick Mahomes did too. And then just stop there and be like, well, this is what Caleb Williams is. And just move on. And you don't have to, be, you don't have to put the unicorn the, the getting to the unicorn status I, on him. I think the comparison, like we, it's something that's done in sports all the time. And I understand it. Like you want your brain automatically is like, does this thing look like, what does it look like? Does it look like this thing or does it look like this thing? With Mo, I wouldn't do this pretty much with any other quarterback. It's just that he's so unique that the, da- like the danger is us being here in November where maybe Caleb's starting to figure some of the stuff out, but it's not happening quickly enough. And we get the text message or the phone call. I thought this guy was supposed to be Patrick Mahomes. Well, that's going to happen no matter what. The cat's out of that bag. I know, but that's what I'm saying, that we need to not do that as often. 
And I'm not talking about us. I'm talking I, I about agree. we. That's completely out of our control. That, well, and that that's is, why that's what I'm saying is the comparisons to Mahomes should stop the second he steps on a pro field. Like it shouldn't. You can't compare them anymore once they're both pros. I don't know if I necessarily even agree with Daniel's breakdown of Mahomes as a college player. By the way. You know what? Uh, Bomani Jones and Spencer Hall on Bomani's pod, like they did it. Spencer Hall's great. Like he's really great. He can talk all sorts of stuff. But he and he and Bomani were kind of going back over like what Mahomes was. And Spencer made a point about how he thinks that Cliff Kingsbury did a really good job getting Mahomes ready for the pros. And while it didn't necessarily look great at Texas Tech because they were finishing seven and five and six and six every year that he understood what he had and was like, I'm going to give you opportunities to work on stuff that's going to make you a special player as a pro. And I think that Lincoln Riley does that. I think that that's Lincoln Riley has put all of his quarterbacks in a position where they can look great, not good, but great. There should also be a little bit of of hesitancy with that, where you look at the Lincoln Riley quarterbacks and you go, are they are they good? I would say good to better than good, better than average. Are they great? I have questions about that. And that system allows for them to be great. In college, which is to go back to Merrill Hodge's point of can your guy do this in the pros? Well, that's why people get paid a lot of money to make those decisions, and they're often fired. They're and they're often wrong. And and we saw in 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 our city someone be massively wrong about that. Because I imagine because they had an idea of, well, Mitch is blank. He drives a certain car. We had dinner with him. We have conviction, and we collaborated. Yeah. That is one thing that I hope that I, – I agree with people in the scouting world that talk to you about games played. Like That's something where – and Caleb's got that. Like Caleb's got a, a really good amount of games played in college where it isn't just a guy having a great year and then him – Bouncing off. But then the argument against that is, well, what about Joe Burrow? And you're right. Because it's an art, not a science. When we return, a local athlete, a star athlete locally, has a brand new podcast that aims to accomplish some important things. We've talked about them a lot. I, However, I, I'm a, a little, I think it was unfortunate the way the announcement of the podcast was teased. And we'll talk about all that next on The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. Station, 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 you never know what the next person going through. You never know what conversation you can have with a person to help their day be better, to carry on to help the next person day be better. You know, it becomes a chain reaction because it's not a day that I get up where I don't realize or I look at somebody like, you know, we all going through something, some type of way. Jamar DeRozan with Layla Rahimi on NBC Sports Chicago talking about mental health and he has been on the forefront not just in the nba but in the large part since 2018 in sports of being somebody who has gotten over any any fears any blockages you might have had about talking about what had been a taboo subject and he is going to be starting a brand new podcast called dinners with damar it's a series i don't think it's just a podcast it's it's video as well and he's going to sit down with athletes and celebrities and have dinner and talk about mental health journeys. And he told his story and I think it's great what he's doing. I'm, I was a little dismayed by the rollout and part of it was the, the history, what, what got it all going when he finally had the courage to speak out was in 2018. And he put out a single tweet in 2018. He tweeted, this depression get the best of me. And that sparked the larger conversation and awareness. So the other night, when we saw that, he tweeted a picture of that tweet from 2018 that just said, this depression get the best of me. And I was scared. Me too. It was scary. I was worried that you know, Demar had that his depression had like relapsed, it'd gone and, back to a dark place. And you know he's talked about it, and he talked with Layla about what happened, and it's it's been documented in a couple different places. He's spoken on some some podcasts about it. I do think that you, I agree with you that it's really important what he's doing. But I was. As someone who wants DeMar to continue to be happy and healthy, I was taken aback by that. And I was like, oh, you know, this is not good for DeMar. I don't like that that was used as kind of a way to kick off this thing that is so important and I imagine is going to be well done. I don't know. It it just kind of hit me the wrong way because ordinarily when you see messages, that that type of crypt cryptic message especially on Facebook back in the day where someone would be kind of passively aggressively trying to alert you that they need help if that were a friend of mine I would have called immediately exactly I would have reached out immediately I would have texted I would have if I had seen something like that my first thought would be what what can I do how so can it, I help so it feels manipulative I didn't like it to to use that as the springboard for a 
a conversation that is really important. Exactly. You don't you don't screw around with stuff like that. Something that sounds like a cry for help when when those of us who have had people close to us where we were extremely concerned about I mean some very serious situations when when my wife was going through her initial onset of bipolar 2 and I felt like I I didn't know if I could leave her alone. And we it was a, a long journey from a very, very dark place that took a lot of work and it took a, a, a and it, and every day the, the, the battle continues. It's never it's never over and it's not linear. But when when I see a message like that and it takes me right back to a time when I was constantly having to be reassured that I could that I could leave her alone. Yeah, it. Whenever you hear someone seemingly need something or is feels vulnerable enough to say something publicly, that's why like it it, it shook me a little bit, and because you're sensitive to that, whether it's your own experience or that you have empathy for Demar, it's like oh no, like what happened? Is Demar okay? And then to come out the other side of it is like, oh, well, this was this was kind of a marketing tool. It 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 doesn't feel great. Even if the reason that what he's doing is good, what he's doing is wholly good, I don't think those ends justify those means. And that you know, my my personal response was, oh no, is Demar okay? And then I felt it was a little cheap to say, oh, he was. He was teasing this new series. Yeah, we had made reference in the meeting. It was the that if it's Snoop Dogg saying I'm giving up pot. He, no, he said I'm giving up smoke. smoke. Giving up smoke. And, and then, even then, even then there was an outpouring of, hey. You don't have to do that. Why are you doing no, that? You don't are have you to, all right? You don't have to do it alone if you need help, if you need support. We're here for you. And then it was, oh, I'm going with the smokeless stove. Yeah. And there were some people who felt a little taken advantage of in that regard. Yep. I get it. It's, I mean, you're you're echoing how I felt about it. I was very, very concerned. And the reason for the concern is because of knowing what, at least from what he's willing to share, knowing what DeMar has said about those dark places and dark times that he's fallen into. It just, I don't know, it just felt, it felt manipulative. But I do like that this is a continuation, that the the podcast themselves, the dinners with DeMar themselves are going to be a place, and maybe this is a subject that comes up. How can one ask for help without complete alarm bells being rung? Is is there a space in between where you can feel vulnerable enough to talk about some of this stuff, but maybe it doesn't it it doesn't hurt someone else's right. mental health when they see you talking about it? I don't know. I don't know if that'll end up being a a subject inside the dinners with Demar, but I'm glad that he's taking the next step in feeling comfortable talking about it publicly, talking with other people who might feel more comfortable because he's the one initiating this conversation and they know what he's been through. 
So overall, to me, it's a net positive. It just was clumsily rolled out, in my opinion. There's a text here that says, uh, Dan, I have my first better help session today, in part thanks to you. Awesome. Great. Awesome. I hope uh, I hope you find it helpful, fulfilling. and Sometimes it's just nice to talk to people. Yeah. Like right. Sometimes you just need to be able to voice stuff. Sometimes hearing yourself say something mm-hmm. is really important. And the more experience you have with it, it's funny, we always joke in our family, because all of us are in therapy, that it's almost like, we all talk therapist. Oh. So every, it's sometimes even like the most casual conversations result in, well, well, why do you think you felt that way? And then we also then look at each other. And it's, everyone's like, well, we, we've all spent so much time you know, learning how to break down the way we feel. It just, it, it's, it, we all approach conversations that way. And, and our daughter is obviously studying to do it for a living right now. Right. So she's a lot more schooled than the rest of us are in in the yeah but you know you know it has been my experience that those folks who are empathetic and find themselves as counselors they are some of the folks that need counseling more than anybody else you know that's one of the things on the sopranos that i thought was really well handled dr melfi the dr melfi in her own sessions with it was Peter Bogdanovich, right? Mm-hmm. Yet another Bulls killer because his last name is Bogdanovich. Not related, not, just like the other no, two. But are it not doesn't related. matter. It doesn't matter. Bojan Bogdan and even I think the late director and actor Peter Bogdanovich, he'd come in in a quarter and he'd get twelve points on the Bulls, and then they're down eight and they call timeout. But he played her therapist, and when they took it to that level of what the burdens she was taking on the questions and that was only one client yes that's one patient i should say that's only one can you imagine if that's your job all day and it's part of how they train uh, licensed social workers and, and psychotherapists to be able to have their own distance from it and their own way of processing everybody else's problems it's become one of the central plot points to law and order special victims unit like Olivia is in therapy and they show her in therapy w- working through some of these cases and so you know it's a it's a good thing to 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 be out there and try and figure yourself out and what your connection is to the world and it's dangerous too cuz you find out stuff that maybe you didn't know but if if you're working with the right person it can be life-changing in a very positive way. So I'm glad for DeMar that he's taking the next step with it, that he's gone from just sharing his issues with trying to be a place where other people can get some of the help just by talking through some of this stuff. So I applaud him for that. The uh, first three guests are Draymond Green, Dwayne Wade and Damian Lillard. So wow, it should be very fascinating. I mean, he's not starting with an easy one there no. in the first place. No, I mean Draymond is still like lashing out at people. He lashed out at, at Yusuf Nurkic and Kevin Durant over the last couple of days. I mean, Nurkic openly said, "I hope he gets the help he needs." And and now Draymond is taking that as a slight when it That's it felt very it felt very sincere from Nurkic. You know, it didn't feel like. 
Well, I'll say I, I heard after that game, Steph Curry, and I know he's his teammate, but Steph Curry crediting Draymond for doing what he does, but within the bounds of like, like just being at the the border, the, the echo of, of the yeah. whistle type stuff. Right, exactly. But the problem is, is that too often he's gone above and beyond Absolutely. the echo of the whistle. Absolutely. There was a cub thought from yesterday that we wanted to circle back to. Yeah, there, there was something inside the press conference that I figured that we could talk around a little bit. Um, I don't know if we'll have time to take feedback from people on it, but I at least wanted to throw it out to the people. Also, I think that the spring training caps for both the White Sox and the Cubs are pretty dope. That's neither here nor there, but we will talk Cubs next here on The Score. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2, on Sports Radio 670 The Score. In Odyssey Station, Odyssey Station, Odyssey Station. Pitchers and catchers have reported across Major League Baseball for the latest news on the Cubs or the White Sox. Try listening to chapters from our show. Every topic we cover is broken out, so you can find what matters most to you. To get started, download the Odyssey app, then search for 670 The Score and tap on a recent episode of our show. Some unfinished business from Cubs press conferences. Yeah, there was a, there was a question that was asked of Jed Hoyer. Studs, do we have it? The, the question that was asked of Jed Hoyer that I really started thinking about you know, we were thinking about like the the whole press conference that we played. I wonder how Cubs fans themselves feel about what Jed was asked. Jed just kind of off that, you know, if, if this roster kind of is what it is and there aren't any more major additions over the next couple of weeks, do you feel like the front office has given Craig a, a playoff caliber roster? How do you kind of look at the the team as a whole right now and Obviously, what you guys want to accomplish this season. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to feel, you know, complete. You know, in my 20 plus years, I've never gotten to a place where I felt like uh, you just kind of turn it over to the manager and, and like, you know, went and played golf. And that's not how this, this thing works. You know, I think that we're always going to be looking for upgrades, um, both now and and all season long. And that's what that's that's our job. Um, yeah, I'm excited about where we are as an organization. Uh, I think that we have a lot of good young veteran players on the team. I think we have uh, a ton of young talent. And um, I'm probably more excited for this spring than most springs just because we have so much young talent in camp. And that's what's really you know fun in this job is watching those guys play, watching those guys develop. You know, young players, young talent, that's that's where the game is right now. That's the currency of, of baseball. And um, you know, that's the part of our, the organization that gives me the, uh, the most confidence. And I'm, I'm excited to watch those guys every day this spring. So where I'm stuck at now, because I'm still, you know me, I March 1st, that's when my designated time to worry. I the, like that. I'm, I'm going to, I'll take you up on that. March 1st. But, but here's my thing. Is it possible that the signing of Craig Council accelerated what the expectations for all of us and that the Cubs as an organization maybe aren't where we think they should be. Well, the question is, what does Craig Council know? 
what was he told about what they were going to be? Or they say, hey, come work your low-budget magic here so we don't have to spend as much money. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure to put on a manager to find those extra, you know, three or four games. Well, if you remember, I noted yesterday when we were scribbling as they were talking, after Megan Montemurro asked that question, there was a follow-up, and I'm... It was rephrased. It was, somebody said, bit. if I may, like, if I may use that and, and, and rephrase what and, Megan and, said. And, and honestly, he, I'm glad that because Jed Dodge did a little he, bit. Totally. He said, have you done enough? That was, so it was a much more, it, it was, and I thought, more Me- direct. I thought Megan did a great job setting that up, but somebody else was like, all right, well, just to, to rephrase what, what Megan said, do you think you've done enough? He didn't answer. He didn't answer. I would imagine that most Cubs fans would say no. You haven't done enough. I would say no. It was just something that, like, it stuck with me. Is I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I maybe they see it differently. Maybe they thought that their their year to be the team that could find itself in the World Series was last year. And maybe what we're seeing is okay. Let's be ready for when we're ready to be that team again by hiring the right manager. And maybe they're not looking at 2024 as a year where the Cubs are going to take the division. But again, I'll feel, however, once we get to March 1st, and there could be a lot more activity that takes place for the Cubs between now and then. Free agency is just later. It's just later now. But that thought crept into my head yesterday of what if they're not ready to compete? What if looking at the way the Diamondbacks did things last year and the Cubs being so close gives a false sense of competition for them? But they can decide it. See, your proximity to contention is defined by, is your center fielder Cody Bellinger or is it Pete Crow Armstrong? Mm-hmm. And you're telling us something with that. Because he still needs a lot of work. Get hit. That would seem to be a problem. And a little too... I know. A little too much dip on his chip out there in center field, too. Catch the ball. Lawrence LaRusso over here. Well, I have to find out how sincere he is. All right. You're a Hall of Famer baseball person. Trying to catch the ball. Just a little... You you don't have to Willie Mays haze it every time. Just catch the ball. Just catch the ball. Nice catch, Armstrong. Don't ever freaking do it again. Just catch the ball. We get it. We see it. Mm-hmm. Nice we catch. know. We know you're really good. Sometimes just catch it. You know, we all. It's always cool when when famous guests you know, come in here, sort of without an entourage, and and they're confident enough to show up on their own, and they don't need like their people monitoring everything. Dude, dude, dude brought folks with him today. Well, he always, pretty much always does this. Brings his brings his people. You know? He usually brings one of the smarter people in his house. I guess that that's that's smart to keep him from you know making bad decisions. Either the wife or the daughter always has a any a one of them smarter than him. Yeah, he knows it. Jason Leisure is going to sit in with us next on the score. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest five G network. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.